Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri. It's been so long since we have had the crew back in the studio. With me today, Evan Thorpe, Stephen Ruiz, and Claire, our intern who's helping us record. Uh, guys, what's going on? What's happening? I feel like I haven't been in this room in like a month. I think that's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. I don't even know y'all. <laughs> it was so great not having to see you people for a month. <laughs> Except for Claire, she's the only one that's good except, in this room. That's true, except for Claire. So one thing that I think we should get into is that since it's been a crazy NBA offseason, I want to go around the room and see which NBA player has had the best offseason. Evan, let's start with you. The player who had the best offseason has to go to Kawhi Leonard. He's basically turned into Thanos and wiped away all super teams Every team has at least two all-star slash superstars max. Nobody's overpowering. We don't go into the season expecting this team to win it all. Like there's a there's a purpose to watch all eighty two team all eighty two games this year if you're a fan of basketball. Suddenly there is a lot more parity in yes. the league. That there is a lot of uh high profile players, high quality profile players spread throughout. And he did such a gangster decision by like prolonging his decision all the way until like a week after everybody did it, holding the Lakers back from possibly adding another superstar, getting Paul George to come join him when nobody even knew that he wanted out of OKC. So he's just like, he's Thanos right now. I I don't understand the Thanos comparison, aside from the fact that Thanos is very powerful. I think that he works behind the scenes. All right, balance. Steven. Balance. No, it's all about balance. Oh, oh I was like, it's I don't understand balance. what you're doing, but it's all about balance. <laughs> yes. For those of you that can't see at home because this is a podcast, Evan had his finger out like Thanos balancing the knife. Yeah. Yeah. Can I pick worst NBA offseason? Because he stole my best answer. Yeah. Be I'm going to go with. Ever the contrarian. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to say Steph Curry. Like lost all. Not because of that. He lost all of his 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 stars. His second best player is Draymond now. Well, he lost Kevin Durant. That's it. And then Clay Thompson's hurt. Clay Thompson is hurt for a year. He also got D'Angelo Russell, who they're, who they're going to flip for more assets in the future. So I, I, here's the thing about Steph. I don't think he lost anything. If anything, I think he gained some of his star quality back because I think people are going to yes. realize how good he is. Yes. And when he wins MVP this year, people are going to be like, "Oh." We, 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 we slept on Steph because he had KD with him. But Steph also got what he needed from those teams, right, from those players. They won championships. They may not have the, the dynasty run that they wanted, but you can't say that he lost. But did did he get everything from it? Like, I don't think he, he's never won an NBA Finals MVP. Okay. He's never I- been – he's never been – the best player on a championship team in that series. Like, he's been the best player. But here's the thing. If KD was to stay, he would never get that opportunity. Now, people are writing him off. I still think they're a top-four team in the West. And I think I think if Clay comes back and Draymond comes back to what he was prior to KD being there, this is still one of the top teams in the West. And they proved that they could beat teams with that core of three. In the playoffs last year. But they don't have that core of three. But they also, wait, wait. So KD is not back next year. Yeah. Yeah. KD is not back next year. Clay is not back next year. It is Steph's time to shine. But they're not going to be good. Look at all these teams they have to deal with now. 
But you're looking at a team that's been established for years, and you're talking about teams that we don't even know if they will even mesh together. Like, right. what if – hypotheticals, what if AD gets hurt next year? Are you saying that this Lakers team is going to be good? Look you, at what happened last year. You could say that with any team in the league. You could say that about the Warriors. What if Draymond gets hurt? I, I still think Clay will be back in February. I, you don't know what percentage what about, he's you don't be. think you don't think Chris Paul getting stuck with the Thunder is uh, – qualifies as worst no because he he what they weren't going anywhere anyway he wasn't winning a ring <laughs> now and, he has now he doesn't have to play with james harden apparently they hated each other <laughs> so i was watching tv yesterday and a state farm commercial came on and it was him and james harden i was like dag we're gonna miss this and then like an hour later it was just him in the commercial and i was like i don't even want to watch this <laughs> like who who the okc is going to bring to state farm yeah it is i think i'm i mean i'm not convinced that he had the worst NBA offseason but that seems pretty sad he's just by himself now but I think his basketball like life is better now now he doesn't have to share the ball with someone who he, hogs the ball he could potentially get a bow for like a hundred million dollars and then sign with a contender for the minimum and he could be on he like, could end up Lakers. in Miami he could end up in Miami and that's sure. a massive upgrade Houston over Miami <laughs> I've been I've I mean, never been to, to Miami but Houston, I've been to Houston Oklahoma yeah, then Miami. That's Houston, Oklahoma is like not even that bad of a trade off. <laughs> Houston is a terrible city. I would live in Houston. All right, again, uh, we've alienated everybody who listens in Houston. So thanks for that. My pick for best NBA offseason: LeBron James. He is starring in Space Jam Two. What if it's bad? Doesn't matter. It's going to be bad. It doesn't matter if it's Let bad or good. Can I please finish? Oh, we had to cut you off at least one time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Space Jam 2. He also has Anthony Davis over for Taco Night, and he has set the stage for the Lakers, Not whether or not they're a good team regardless, but for the spotlight to be back on the Lakers in L.A. And they will have a fierce inner-city rivalry with the Clippers. To, to battle it out for the heart. And that is what LeBron thrives on, is that kind of spotlight. I know you were dying to say something, but let me finish. Taco Tuesday. The the Instagram chat that he did about Taco Tuesday was incredible. It was peak dad moment. And it just looks like all of the NBA drama, none of that it like is, is phasing him. He's been doing Taco Tuesday for a minute now, but the fact that, like, like Tuesdays, I don't even eat tacos, but I go, Taco Tuesday. Yes. And I'm like, LeBron has taken Tuesday to a whole new level. But Thank also, you. and it was really funny, is that the Taco Tuesday features Anthony Davis. That's he- not a good thing, though. If I'm making tacos at my house, I don't want some seven foot, 300 pound <laughs> man eating all my tacos. Okay, well, he has a personal chef, so it's totally fine. And I, let me go off what you were saying. Like, I feel like the pre- the pressure is going to be back on him now. I feel like it was yeah. off him and he was relaxing. He was eating tacos and he did get snubbed by Kawhi, which brings uh, his offseason down. He got okay. owned by Kawhi, basically. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi went from like the quiet guy who. Nobody really considered, you know, one of the best. He was good. And within a year, people calling him the best player of the world. People compare him to Jordan. He's got two rings, two different teams, two final MVPs. And if he does it in LAC, I think he'll be like one of two or three guys to win a championship with three teams. Mm-hmm. I, But LeBron, to me, thrives under that kind of uh, pressure, right? He likes the spotlight. He likes having something to prove, uh, 
he likes being the force. I don't even I don't want to go so far as to say an an agitator, but that's going to burn, right? That's going to give him a little bit of fire moving forward. Like and that's what is going to make for really great NBA basketball. He's going to have all the fire when Space Jam 2 sucks. <laughs> I don't think anybody is going to mind that it sucks. All right, we're going to move on. Um let's talk about Aisha Curry. If you did not know, she was trending on Twitter earlier this week for dancing. I'm going to let I'm going to let Evan explain it. Why Evan? Because he's... <laughs> because he's what? <laughs> well, I was going to say because he's sitting right across from me, but also because he's the black guy in the room. <laughs> Why do you think I started off the basketball conversation? Come on, Steven. You've been gone for a week, man. So yesterday, a uh, video was on Twitter, and it was trending, and it was basically Aisha dancing with Steph and... You know, nobody knew the context of it, but they were like, oh, my God, this looks so bad. She was trying to do the Millie Rock. And if you know the dance to Millie Rock, it's a lot of hand movements back and forth. And her Millie Rock just won't rock in that well. It was it was high. <laughs> it was loose. You got to be firm and quick with the Millie Rock. And so people are clowning her. And, you know, it, it led to Steph coming out and saying, like, I see my wife trending. And this was a this was like boss of Steph to say, like, basically, we're celebrating her opening up her restaurant. Yeah. So Steph goes on Instagram and he says, slow news day with like a little shrug emoji and then says, I'd like to see you dance at the opening of your new restaurant. And then you can kind of see Aisha in the back telling him to to cut it out. Um, Way to shame poor people, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Just because your wife can't dance. <laughs> okay. I am the lone voice in this group right now that thought uh, that was uncalled for, that her being called out for the dance and have it trend on social media and have people make fun of her was terrible because I did not think it was that bad. Whatever you think of how she did the Millie Rock, but that it's a pattern of people who really seem to hate her and they seem to glomp on every little thing about Aisha Curry and make fun of it. I don't think there was any hate though to the making fun. There probably were. There always is. There was times. Anyone. I saw it. There was times. Like what? Like I thought they were just making. Like it was jokes. It wasn't like there are going to be trolls. Obviously. Well, there are trolls and there was roasting, and I thought that there was no need for it. I think. I at first I thought she was actually trolling people. Because like it was so bad, you thought it was so bad. I thought that she, she was, was trolling because it was that. But I like I don't see what's the problem, especially like you know if people aren't attacking her. They were attacking her. Not I, her. Her dancing. Her dancing. No, they were attacking her. Those the tweets that I saw were talking about uh, were making fun of her sexually. They and you know what I'm talking about because you retweeted one of those. Oh, I did. Yeah. I didn't pay attention. I thought it was on my burner account. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. (laughs) They were attacking, like, making fun of her sexually. They were talking about how Steph might favor a certain kind of a woman for a wife versus a certain kind of a woman for a girlfriend. They were talking about her blackness. There's all kinds of stuff that they're going after her for. But that happens with anything. I'm talking about just making fun of the dancing. I think that's completely fine. She's a celebrity. You're open to that stuff. You 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 use your fame to make money. You should accept criticism when it's not a personal attack. And the personal attacks are bad, obviously. But that's that's going to happen with anything. 
There's going to be personal attacks. There's going to be people defending her. And there was a lot of people defending her in the comments. They were all saying, oh, you guys are just hating on her. Like, you But guys why like is she, of all the basketball wives, uh, such a target, you think? Because she's, she's the, the only the... basketball wife you can name. But also, she's the only one that, like, opened herself up to be famous. Because if you look at somebody like LeBron's wife, like, she stays in the back. She's not really trying to be famous. She has her own little juice spots and stuff. But, like, I think she... So, Aisha should be vilified for having ambition, for wanting the spotlight as much as her husband? Not vilified. I don't think vilified, but you got to realize, like, when you open yourself up to be a celebrity... What about Lala? But Lala was already that before Carmelo. She was famous before. This is the one of the few wives that become famous after. I would say in conjunction with because they had the cooking show while they were in Golden State. Like she was doing the cooking thing on the local CSN Golden State station. And that slowly led to a Food Network show, a line of her own cookware, Aisha home furnishings. All the stuff that she has now was kind of in the works while stuff was uh, at Golden State and was like, and it was happening in conjunction with him, with his star rising as but, well. But Steph's been a star since Davidson. Like he came into the league a star. But he came into the league a star, but he has not become a household name until just recently. And that is in conjunction with Aisha Rising because a lot of it has to do with their family, too. You can't say that Steph's popularity is devoid from the image of a family man. And she contributes so much to that. And yet when stuff like this happens on social media, she gets vilified for things that women are often vilified for, which is ambition, making money, daring to have as much spotlight as her husband. I will argue against you because I feel like Steph became big out of college because of his stature. He was small. And he was a fair-skinned guy, so I think he was easy to root for. And I feel like a lot of people was supporting and rooting for Steph early on. It just happened that the rest— You can't tell me that Steph was as famous when he got out of college as he is now. Well, That's not, not true. Well, not, not now, but I think if you was to ask somebody who was Steph Curry, they could at least tell you, oh, he plays for the Golden State Warriors. Barely, but I'm, ta- I'm talking about his level of fame now compared to his level of fame then. And it has to do in conjunction with their entire family, right? It has to do with uh, them having their daughter at the press conference. Uh, that whole image is contributes to his popularity. But I don't think she gets vilified for her ambition. I, don't, I think she does. I think, I think that's the subtext I think she, behind it. She so. gets vilified as a result of her ambition because her ambition led her to become someone that's famous. I, well, that's what I'm saying is that people don't appreciate that. There, There is an undercurrent of who does Aisha think she is. Well, yeah, that's true. That, the, that's and that obviously going to be true with any woman that exactly. is a celebrity. But I think the reason why she is a target for getting made fun of, I don't think it has anything to do with her. It's just that she's, it's only her and Gabrielle Union. Those are the only... Gabrielle Union doesn't get made fun of because she was famous before. But you also got to think, like, we, we discussed this last time. She made a population of people on Twitter upset with comments she said. And some people, like, after a while, people forget, but then others don't. But so the last time she was trending on Twitter was she talked about how sometimes she doesn't get attention from men on social media and her husband does. And that led to a lot of discourse as well. There are other people who have said much worse things. My point is, is that nobody glomps on to Aisha hate as much as a certain Twitter population, right? Other wives don't get that. Gabrielle Union definitely does not get that. And I and I think that it's not fair. Well, they haven't 
those otherwise haven't made this population of Twitter upset. And I feel like... Well, but what's the... I mean, I don't understand why you would get upset. It's got nothing to do with you. Oh, I don't have a problem I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about people on Twitter. That's not what got them upset. It was her saying, oh, I don't have to dress like this or stuff like that. That's what got people upset. I don't... So if you think about like... I I don't think it was that that got people upset. They were they were already made. I think they were already like I don't I don't I don't want to say bullying her, but like ganging up on her before right. before the attention comments. Okay, I will maintain my take here, which is that uh, the Aisha hate is rooted in a strain of uh, anti feminism that I don't agree with. Oh, of course it is, but I think that's separate from making fun of her <laughs> dancing. But I will say this though, like she's living a life. Yes. Like, even if people laugh at her, like cookbooks, restaurants, husband is probably top three most famous basketball players. And yeah. I, I will say this. People make fun of Russell Wilson all the time. That's true. You make fun of Russell Wilson all the time. But I'm talking about black Twitter specifically. They make fun of him for the same things. And his wife. And it's the same. Do you? But do you think it's think because of her. this definition of blackness? And I'm pointing at Evan here for this. Yeah. I mean, you think about like Russell Wilson for a time didn't act black and i uh, you know who's to say what's acting black but for a while if you looked at russell wilson you'd be like well clearly doesn't associate itself with blackness Mm -hmm. and like all of a sudden now you see him cornrow talking slang it's like now you're coming back around i understand this and i think that this is a argument that's happening across the political sphere as people debate Kamala Harris and how black she can it, be. It also happened with RG3. There was like a video of him dancing at a Baylor game that mm-hmm. people still make fun of to this day because he was dancing like basically like Aisha Curry was dancing. Right. So it's I don't not... think it has to do with her is what I'm saying. It's just that if any celebrity wife started dancing weirdly like that, we'd make fun of him. We make fun of Tom Brady for dan- his dance. Okay. I will give you this. I will give you this. But I will also say that it is about the fact that she's a woman and it is, as Evan pointed out, about her blackness and that is specifically something that uh, black twitter has uh, gone after yeah 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 but it, i don't think the dancing thing has to do with her being a woman although that that actually has been the okay. sexual things are yeah here let me tell you one thing which is that i never want a picture or video of me dancing ever to be on the internet because uh, that's just nothing good is going to come out of it and so. i was about to say like if you know that your dancing isn't good and you're going to have it on video, you're opening yourself up to criticism. <laughs> you don't right. know if your dancing's good, though. Yes, you do. All right, we're going to close out the podcast with not sports, but whatever segment. Uh, I know everybody at this point has seen Spider-Man Far From Home, and it's like three weeks later. But we're going to talk about briefly Spider-Man Far From Home. Evan, would you like to go first? Or Steven, would you like to go first? I'll go first. I'll just put a damper on the conversation. I No, it was, it was a good movie. Like... But, but I feel like it was just another Marvel movie. Like I feel like maybe we've been spoiled by these movies, but they're all the same to me. And I feel like this hit the same, like all the same beats as the last Spider-Man movie. I I didn't like it. I thought I I hate the forced romance, and I hate the like the. It's not forced. It's not. Can forced. I add one thing? I fell asleep like. At the in the third act, you guys are the worst. So no, like I just felt like him and MJ was just like like you could have this happen. You don't have to have everything happen right now. Everybody knows that Peter and MJ is a foregone conclusion. We know that, but like at least tease it and make it seem like just make it doubtful. Almost no, like. I disagree. I hated it. 
But um, I, I say this though, uh, Mysterio is one of the better villains, mm-hmm. and I think his fight with Peter at the uh, not the final fight, but like the one yeah, when, when he he's out, like in the illusion. That was one of the best Marvel moments. Yeah. Like I even got myself like kind of like stuck in and like watch out. I loved it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really funny. I thought Tom Holland is a marvel. Um, I thought Mysterio was great as Jake Gyllenhaal. I loved especially how they at least tried to address some of the issues that Endgame brought up, which is there's no superheroes really left. But also you have all these people back on Earth. Some people have been gone for five years. Other people have not. There's a little bit at the beginning, which is that... uh, that May pops back into her apartment and another family is living there, right? So it did deal with what the aftermath of the snap, which is that now there's just a ton more people on Earth, so that can't be good. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought that uh, the scene that was very affecting for me is this: what you said, which is that battle, and you see the the dead Iron Man coming up out of the grave and like crawling towards Peter, which was... Um, you know, kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety. I was sleeping during that. I, You're dead inside. You know that? You're dead inside. No, I, w- I was just tired. I was in Las Vegas and I saw it at like 11 p.m. None of the jokes were funny to me. I really thought that they, they're trying to, they force a lot of jokes and I'm like, dude. This was one of the funnier ones. It wasn't funny at all to me. Okay, I think you both need to go see it again once when Are you going to pay for my ticket? That was like $16. <laughs> no, okay. So when I went, I was hungry. Yeah. And I tried to go get a pretzel. How much y'all think a pretzel is at the movie theater? $6. $8. 14 oh! <laughs> I looked at the man dead in his face and said, bye. Like, $14 for a movie? I mean, for a pretzel after I paid 16 for for That's the ticket? That's insane. You think Aisha Curry made that pretzel? <laughs> she better? <laughs> 14 Sorry. I... All right. On that perfect, perfect note, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you to Claire for helping out, as always. Evan, Steven... Any closing thoughts? Trying to get me to go watch a movie again. That's going to be, what, $30 for Spider-Man? All right. We will see you guys next week.